Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. They were all part of the Southern California punk scene like X, The Germs, The Weirdos. And then later, more hardcore bands like Fear, Black Flag, and the Circle Jerks. <laughs> Fuck's sakes. <laughs> I'll just let that one go. <laughs> I think we have our cold open. <laughs> yeah. Hey, take three for that one. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. A place where pop culture loving creatives discover design icons that make us tick. And we share a few cocktails in the process. Yep. Today we're discussing street culture. The need for speed. Fun in the sun. And rebels without a cause. We discuss two iconic characters that have influenced several generations of artists, musicians, and tinkerers of all stripes. So grab a nice slab of pavement, your favorite t-shirt, and let's get started. So Elliot. Yes. Welcome back to the bar, man. All right. Thank you. Pleasure all to be right, here. All right. Look. Today, what a great theme we have. Yes, We're going to be talking about street culture. And have I got the iconic piece to share with you today. Let me give you a little bit of a hint here so you can start the guessing game. Sure. All right. If I say custom culture, does that mean anything to you? Yes, it does. Okay. So does it mean hot rods maybe? Maybe. Okay. All right, good, good, good. Does it mean drag racing, maybe? Maybe. Does it mean airbrush t-shirts, maybe? Ooh, should we play the hot and cold game? Because I might know which drag strip you're racing on today. All right, you go ahead, start. Let's see, if I were to pick a state, Yeah. would that state be, Confusion? oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, be, that's, my, that's the state I live in all the time. <laughs> Actually, I live in the outskirts of confusion, but I commute there daily. <laughs> would it be a state on the West Coast? It would be. Mm, warmer. Well, okay. Well, I will say, how about the biggest state, just to play the odds, California? California. Ding, you nailed it. All awesome. Right. Look, I am interested today, we're talking about street culture, and I'm going to the way back to the OG street culture. I'm going to talk about Rat Fink from... And Big Daddy Roth, 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 Roth. I did that with the echo voice because we were drag racing. Oh, got it. How about yourself? 
You know, it's funny you bring up California. My amazing street culture icon also happens to be from California. No. Yes. Yes. So uh, great minds think alike yet again. Well, at least we think that. We'll see if the listeners agree with us. A little more north than... Santa Barbara? A little more north than Santa Barbara. I know that was your favorite soap opera, but Todd, you've got to let it go. Yeah, okay, okay. Got to uh, let it go. Sac- Sacramento? A little too farther inland, but you're okay. getting warmer. Okay. Uh, gosh, well, I don't know a lot about that. Uh, okay, so something on the coast then, right? Yes. Yeah, the uh, town has, I'll give you a hint, the town has a little lighthouse that also happens to be a surf museum. Oh, oh, Santa Cruz. Yes, sir. Okay, so? So, obviously, Santa Cruz also, in street culture, not only is it a town, but it's also a very well-known brand. And today, I want to talk about Jim Phillips and the Santa Cruz Screaming Hand. Oh, yeah, the blue one, right? Yes. All right, very cool. Well, uh, it sounds like we got some interesting stuff to go over today, so let's get into it. Yeah, time to dig in and get started. All right, so, Elliot, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ratfink. Everybody's familiar with Ratfink. You're familiar with Ratfink, right? I now. love Ratfink. Okay, great. He's green. He's grayish green. He's comically grotesque. Has these sort of depraved-looking, bulging, bloodshot eyes, these sharp teeth. He is sort of the anti-Mickey Mouse, and he first came to life on airbrush T-shirts that Roth made. He called these things weirdo t-shirts, and he sold them at hot rod car shows in the late 1950s, going way back to the late 1950s. And they became a craze. People really dug this. And if you think about that, that was a real transition time, particularly in California. You were going from sort of post-war into what was then gonna be like surf culture, right? Like Mm, Beach mm -hmm. Boys, that kind of stuff. This was really sort of catching on, just the look, the style, um, the philosophy of it, and the music. It picked up steam as Ratfink was being advertised in the early 60s in Carcraft magazine with an ad that uh, called it, this is in quotes, the rage in California. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, you know, it's cool because it was like the SoCal teenage culture starting with the original baby boomers, the OG boomers, the first generation of teens, it really had super buying power. And then of course, what they were doing was they were being teenagers and they were starting to express themselves with customizing their cars and hot rods and and things like that. So that was sort of the birth of Ratfink from Ed Big Daddy Roth and we still know it today. Tell me a little bit about how Jim Phillips gave birth to the Screaming Hand. (laughs) Sounds like it would be a painful birth, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Similar sort of idea, obviously slightly later. So Santa Cruz Skateboards, flash forwarding really about 20 years. You mentioned things starting in the 1950s for you, the early 1950s, 1970s. uh, 1973, actually, the most amazing year on earth as everyone knows who's listening to any of our past podcasts who happens to to know you were born in that yes yes so that's when the world changed for the better that's right it was my 10th birthday 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Awkward silence. I get the hint. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also the birthday of Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz was started in 1973. There were three partners originally. One was this guy named Rich Novak. He literally grew up in Santa Cruz. One of the folks he grew up with was, guess who? who? Jim Phillips. I know. You never would have guessed that. Yeah. So yeah. they were classmates in high school. Jim Phillips leaves. He goes off after he graduates to Oakland, goes to art school, comes back from California College of Arts and Crafts in the mid-60s. And he's, you know, kind of an itinerant worker. You know, he took some commercial art classes when he was there, this sort of thing. So he's doing little assignments. Rich Novak remembered him and remembered in high school that he was a really good artist. And so he decided to look him up. And originally his first assignment was the road rider wheel. So he said, hey, you know, we're putting out this new skateboard wheel. Would you be willing to do a graphic for the actual wheel? Maybe a t-shirt to accompany it. And Phillips was like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, this sounds good. Like, well, you know, we'll see where this goes. Obviously the collaboration with Santa Cruz has continued to this day. His son is now involved and we can get into that in a little while. It was a, certainly a successful collaboration led to other projects. So in the mid-80s, one of the things that he started to put out was this blue, as he mentioned earlier, hand, a severed hand that was mm-hmm. flying through space mm-hmm. with a mouth, a screaming mouth in the palm of the hand, right? Because a severed hand wasn't bad enough, wasn't painful enough. It had to scream. Of course. Well, wouldn't you scream if you were in pain? It, well, I don't have a mouth on my hand either, but yeah. If you keep this up, I'm going to put your mouth on my hand. (laughs) Hand meat mouth. (laughs) All right. So let's continue. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say, let's uh, let's jump back in uh, before we break out into a fist fight here in the studio. Let's uh, which which folks, this would be the fifth time that's happened. I'm just putting that out there. And who has won every time? Well, I'll let that uh, mystery be solved by you guys. Maybe we'll post some of our uh, our bouts on our website at some point. Um, But in all seriousness, um, I would love to know more about Ratfink because I kind of see the screaming hand a little bit as child of Ratfink, you know, same kind of attitude, same kind of uh, part of the world, as we mentioned. I would love to know the parentage or the lineage of the screaming hand. So tell me about Ed Big Daddy Roth and Ratfink and and just kind of how this all came into being. Yeah, I'm going to bring you up to uh, a, a little bit of my introduction how I learned about Ratfink. But first, I, I talked about Ratfink, as I said, started in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple things that sort of came together to give birth to Ratfink. Obviously, the super talented Ed Big Daddy Roth. Roth, Roth. I did that again for you, uh, for your pleasure. Super talented, getting into custom culture. Teenagers were coming into their own with the buying power. What I also learned through research, and I thought this was really cool, was after um, the Second World War, many military airports were left abandoned. So they were used for drag racing, and hot riders would join up and race on those military airports. Also, soldiers returning were learning particular skills in the service. So they were learning how to work on machines and things like that. They received technical training. So all of these things started converging and just so happened it was ignited in Southern California. Then into the 60s, as I mentioned before, 
add music, right? Sure. Just think about the music of the 60s that was all around hot rod culture from, oh gosh, the Rivieras, Dick Dale, uh, Ronnie and the Daytonas, the Beach Boys, you name Jan and Dean, you name it. <laughs> and so it really just picked up steam from there. Now for me, I discovered this probably teen years. My dad was a hot rodder, so you knew that, I think. Yes. Um, but what I would do is thumb through the magazines that he would get, and they were full of parts and uh, things that you could buy, uh, accessories for your car, gear shifts, and all sorts of things, patches, clothing, things like that. And I really gravitated towards Ratfink. Um, because in these magazines, it really stood out. It was really something different. Although it was hot rod culture throughout the entire magazine, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but this was something that was just accessible. Like a teenager could look at that and go, I think I could draw that, you know? So that's what really attracted me to begin with. And, you know, when I'm thinking about it, like that was in the 70s. And that was not a great time to be driving a big gas guzzling hot rod. <laughs> True. But you know, like what I realized was that was like my dad and his friends, that was their way of, of thumbing their noses. Um, at the at man, the, right? At yeah, establishment, right, right. At, at the man telling him what to do. That's right. They were thumbing those those gas guzzling hot rod loving ass at the establishment and the oil embargo <laughs> from the mid seventies. <laughs> Take that, Carter. Take that, Carter. So it it obviously continued on into uh, the late seventies, uh, the advent of punk and then uh, rockabilly things like that too. So we still know what Ratfink is today. It's still around today. Still yes. selling stuff. Yes. Yeah. One thing when you were talking about flipping through the magazine as a kid, when I think of Southern California, I think of car culture, I think of contemporary culture with rockabilly and that sort of thing. I think of pinup girls and all these mm -hmm. sorts of things like that. So for a younger person looking, that was because it was a cartoon character, not a sexualized or hypersexualized woman when you you know, maybe hadn't quite yet blossomed into manhood. The, <laughs> Still haven't. <laughs> yeah, well, there, hope springs eternal, I think. <laughs> so if you're a kid flipping through a magazine, it's a cartoon character, like you said. So that's something that you're going to develop a natural affinity for mm -hmm. versus some of these other things that are more quote-unquote grown up. So that's what strikes me, too, about the screaming hand from Jim Phillips. You know, skate culture, skate culture was like hot rod culture with uh, probably not as much money put into it at the time, but it's what you would do to, to start getting into hot rods. You developed your tribe and you developed your language and you developed your visual vocabulary. And it strikes me that that's what the uh, Screaming Blue Hand was a part of. It, it was one of those things that sort of stood out in the products. I don't remember where I first saw it. It may have been uh, in an ad somewhere. It might have been in the local skate shop and a t-shirt for sale or a banner hanging up inside of the skate shop. I, you know, skate video for all I know. I, re I really don't remember. However, um, one thing that I am thankful for, and this is again where the Venn diagram of like these two groups of people, and maybe it's fathers and sons, or maybe it's the fact that 
this was all happening in the state of California. But in the back of Thrasher and Transworld, the magazines I would read in high school and into college, you know, folks, this is pre-internet. <laughs> if you wanted to know what was available, they either had printed catalogs you could send away for, or they would shoehorn as many of the t-shirts and trinkets and other things that they were selling into a single magazine page. I learned about so many different bands through the t-shirts that were available. Mm -hmm. I learned about so many pro riders and other companies through the shirts that were available that looked really cool. You know, you're, these are like one inch square. It's probably the size of the icon of the podcast on your right. phone right now. And think about that's finding good if it's a podcast, but what happens if it's a t-shirt and you're like, do I want to spend $20 on this thing that I'm only seeing this microscopic image of? Is it worth buying? So bold graphics start to make sense. Before I go any further, I also need to say that these same t-shirt ads that introduced me probably to the screaming hand also introduced me to Ratfink. That was the first place I saw Ratfink and Ed Big Daddy Roth's work. Yeah, you know, and I was just thinking as you were talking, these things started to intersect late 70s, early to mid 80s in the music scene, particularly the Southern California punk scene with bands, think about it, Elliot, like X, The Germs, The Weirdos, Fear, Black Flag, and The Circle Jerks. Like, if you were a skater, you were probably listening to those. If you were new into hot rod culture and weren't my dad, you were probably listening <laughs> to those same bands as well. But that was, like you said before, it's like father and son come together. The father is Rat Fink, the son is the Screaming Blue Hand. They're kind of coming together in this appreciation of independence and anarchy. And just rebellion, I think, is, is the word. Push, yeah. Just pushing back, pushing the envelope, testing the limits. It's like so many things, even today for me, generally if if the people or groups I tend to have contempt for get uneasy about something, I tend to gravitate toward it that much more. <laughs> I think old <laughs> habits die hard, right? Wow, all this talk about hot rods and street culture has gotten me thirsty. I think it's time for a break. Great idea, Todd. I know my screaming hand could use another cold beverage. So how about we take five, refresh our drinks, and meet back here around the bar? Right on. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. You had mentioned the genesis of Rat Fink, sort of where he came from, from the airbrush shirts. You mentioned he was right. the anti-Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Some of my favorite Rat Fink illustrations are not only is he standing there with his tail and his eyes and his overalls you know and all these sorts of things but he also has like a couple flies buzzing around his head all the time right, 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 <laughs> with right. his crooked teeth hang out so you think like did he roll in something is it halitosis you know what's going on here it's just i i love it it's like that's that again to me that's like a mad magazine touch 
you know, yeah, you could draw yeah. the character, but I think of all the illustrations I loved in Mad Magazine growing up, and I would look, and yeah, always the funniest things, you know, they always, like, insert a fly or two zipping around in there, and just for that added uh, touch. That's a little about how Ratfink came to be, and tell me, do you know more about how the, the Screaming Hand came to came into life? I do, yeah. As I mentioned, the Screaming Hand came onto the scene in about the mid-80s. And what Jim Phillips would do is, when he wasn't doing work for Santa Cruz or for some of his other commercial clients, he would be, you know, creating personal work like we all do as artists. And he would draw people surfing a lot. Obviously, Santa Cruz, as I mentioned in the beginning, they have a surf museum there, so it's obviously a surf community the little lighthouse that they turned into the surf museum so he grew up surfing he would observe people surfing he himself Mm -hmm. was a surfer so naturally you draw what you know you gravitate toward what you're familiar with so he would have fun in his free time and he would always draw people wiping out in the waves well probably after a while that started to get a little redundant a little bit repetitive and so he thought about adding a few additional elements well what's another hazard in the ocean let's say if you're out in the waves todd what's something you may not want to encounter i'll give Uh, you i'm gonna give you a hint okay okay. pretty obvious hint the discovery channel each summer has an entire week devoted to this very subject oh shark week bingo yes so sharks you wouldn't want to encounter a shark after falling off your board if that wasn't humiliating enough you wouldn't want to have your hand bitten off by a shark yeah you you know you didn't want your friends to laugh at you you didn't want to get buried in a wave and then you also didn't want to get eaten yeah okay well that's that's sort of the three tenets of life right there right (laughs) it is yeah i think maslow's pyramid i think like at the base there it's don't get ridiculed by your friends. Don't right. drown and don't get eaten by a don't shark. Pretty yeah, sure yeah. that's the nuts and bolts basics of survival. I think he just added other shit to fill it out. Well, it had to be a pyramid. He had to make it pointy. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, because it would have been an awfully flat pyramid. If yeah, it would have been it, stuck with those. Yeah, yeah. Pancake isn't nearly as sexy as pyramid. <laughs> Maslow's pancake. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe maybe there's a great. restaurant named that. We should. If not, we should start it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get that URL right. Maslow's yeah. pancake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if anyone else out there is trying to grab it, it's too late. <laughs> Please continue. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. As an <laughs> aside. So guys are surfing. Guys are wiping out in the waves. Uh-oh. Shark shows up. What happens? You don't have to be the fastest. Just don't be the slowest. And what could happen to the slowest guy? You know, it's lunchtime. Not only is the hand that in normal times in a normal situation would be popping above the surface as the guy has just drawn his last breath and is disappearing beneath the ocean waves for the last time. Now, lo and behold, it's only his hand, <laughs> it, you know, and the hand, of course, is cut off at about the mid forearm and it's jagged. It has tendons hanging out, bones hanging out. Depending upon the iteration of the hand, the original art, it was this kind of random veins and tendons mm-hmm. streaming out. Mm-hmm. Later iterations, it actually would spell the word Santa Cruz and script and <laughs> red script in the tendon. <laughs> Highly adaptive uh, medium, a severed arm with a screaming hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who knew? Yeah, you know, hey, it takes all kinds. So that's really where it came from. It was this kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, or tongue-in-palm as the case may be, riff on, you mentioned surf music, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm not going to torture our listeners doing my rendition of Wipeout. 
but we all know that song. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's that same sort of tongue-in-cheek attitude, I think, and, and just pushing the envelope as far as you could. All right, so let's talk lasting influence. Yes. So from your point of view, where are some influences that have popped up since Jim Phillips created the Screaming Blue Hand? Well, I think the biggest one and we're going to post some links to this uh, on our website so folks can take a look. When the 30th anniversary of The Hand being introduced rolled around, there was actually a gallery show. And it wasn't only his iterations of The Hand. It was iterations that artists had created from around the world and had Sweet. brought together. And I think he was really impressed and flattered by this. Um, One thing we've talked about before is, as a creative person, as a designer, as an illustrator, you do what feels right. You you know maybe have an assignment, you know certain criteria you need to hit, whatever. But when lightning strikes, hey, take advantage of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, fly that kite with the key on it. And um, (laughs) and you never know. I think the beauty of creative product is you just never know what kind of life it's going to take on once you put it out into the world. And I think he was really touched and really flattered by this. So I think it was this ripple effect as skateboarding went global even before the internet. I mean, I remember in the late 80s and early 90s being in high school, going into college, you would have these photo shoots where these kids, you know, they were pro skaters, but they were in their mid 20s. They were traveling to Germany. They were traveling to Japan. They were going all around the world. So this idea of, ah, well, I'm big in Japan. You know, Santa Cruz and the Screaming Hand was big in Japan. (laughs) It was big in continental Europe. It was big in South America. These people were rock stars. And they were wearing these T-shirts and tossing out these stickers with this Screaming Hand all over them. So, you know, it just can't help but provide this influence. So I think that's one of the biggest impacts. Jim Phillips, we're going to post some interviews. He seems like such a genuinely kind man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I Mm -hmm. think he loves the work he does. I think he loves the attention it's gotten. And I think he's just very touched by it. Jim Phillips, in fact, uh, his illustration business is truly a family business. Not only is he continuing to still do work with Santa Cruz, but His son, uh, Jimbo Phillips, followed in his footsteps, is also an illustrator of note himself, and he also is doing work with Santa Cruz. Very cool. Keeping it in the family. Absolutely. I hope my child does anything cool (laughs) 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 one day. (laughs) Tall order. Um, But tell me about Rat Fink and some of the children of rat fink beyond the screaming hand some of the permutations i mean ed big daddy roth made so many additional characters mr gasser and all these different people and you mentioned all the accessories earlier i mean he customized his own cars he sold his own you know the eight ball shifters all these things that he would illustrate would later go out into the real world just like the hand um Jim Phillips, again, in these videos, when he's standing in his studio, there are all these different figurines and different products of the hand. Little urethane sculptures, knit gloves that actually have the screaming mouth on this blue knit glove you can buy. So all these different things. So I would love to hear what Big Daddy Roth begat, I guess, from when he got the ball rolling with Ratfink. Sure. Well, as you said, 
Ratfink was just one of many characters uh, in the Big Daddy Roth family. Because if you think about it, cars were developing personalities too around that time. Like people would name their cars. They obviously were putting things on them to make them more individualized. Um, the culture was built around your unique presence of your car. So, Quick thought. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I guess I'm doing it anyway. Would you say that the naming of the car and the customization of the car, you mentioned earlier GIs returning from World War II, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think about how they would always paint the pinups on the side of their airplanes and mm -hmm. name their airplanes mm -hmm. and the number of bombing runs they went on or, or bomb drops or whatever, they would paint the bomb icons on the side of their airplanes and all these sorts of things. And did that translate into pinstriping and customization? Like if people were doing these things on super big vehicles, airplanes yeah um did that tendency then carry on into civilian life you mentioned technical knowledge but i'm wondering yeah, if yeah. creative motivation was coupled with that absolutely absolutely think about the painting techniques um airbrushing if you were like me and you grew up uh, going to the beach or even to stock car races airbrush t-shirts are a huge sell and the artists that created those uh, right on site, and they, you know, you still find people doing it today, carnivals mm -hmm. and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, there were gobs of people hanging around watching them do what they do because it was magic. Like this, this art was coming out of this thing. And then certainly add to it the characters like we've already talked about. But think about the those guys and uh, that had developed those the skills, whether it be in. Um, uh, automotive engine uh, painting pinstriping like you said what they had done is they were creating this whole world around a car like I was it's it just so happens I was watching happy days uh, earlier today <laughs> yeah I know just so happens yeah I watch it every day no I'm kidding um, and you know what cars were it was the dating thing it was like mm -hmm. a place to go on a date car hop and culture yeah the drive it was your in. independence yes, yes so it was it's just an extension of that like you had said before it's like they were taking their creative thinking and they were um putting it into something that represented them and if you think about that now you know we we don't have that quite so much in in our cars um today but we have that in the clothing that we wear, that we choose to wear. Um, we have that in our avatars on social media. Like these things are representing who we are and the face that we're putting out there. That love of independence and rebellion and, and sort of de designing your own look uh, that starts in your teen years, that philosophy, kind of carries through and you never lose that you never or you shouldn't lose that I should say um, and that's part of what I think is really cool about street culture is there's always going to be that fringe element the music is going to tie us together it's going to help us identify our tribe even now when you think about psychobilly bands like you know you and I are fans of the Rev right? yes the Reverend Horton Heat and Unknown Henson, who is no longer touring. Spectacular, Unknown Henson. Um, <laughs> but then you think about, like, like think about Squidbillies, right? Yeah. Like the cartoons that we're seeing. Like, these things are still out there, that grittiness. 
right, so Elliot, the thing about street culture that ties both of these iconic pieces together, as I see it, and then tell me your thoughts. First of all, it's a way to identify with your tribe, whether mm -hmm. you're a skateboarder or a surfer or a hot rodder. Um, it's a way for you to say, you're my people. It's that we're speaking a common language here. This Santa Cruz brand is very much of the city. When I have visited there, I've seen people who very obviously aren't skaters or surfers. You know, they're elderly couples who probably grew up in Santa Cruz, but they're wearing the Santa Cruz gear. They're wearing mm -hmm. the T-shirts and things like that. And I just feel that's so great that this international brand still brings this local pride and people still see it as a local company. Yeah, they're part of the tribe as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very cool. It's also a way to identify uh, as I'm an independent thinker. I'm, I've got this rebellious streak in me. I light things a little on the fringe. And you know, that never goes out of style. Although we talked about when these things were beginning and, and how they developed and their influences still today, but that attitude will always be in style. You mentioned earlier this idea of developing your true self and you become a teenager sort of thumbing your nose at authority or pushing the envelope and I really think it's all about being genuine being true to yourself mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. things that are creative doing things that are and this word gets used a lot today but I'll use it anyway authentic use mm -hmm. you know doing things that are authentic to you and who you are things you're drawn to and kind of your north star for me personally I still watch skate videos online. I still have two skateboards uh, sitting in my office. So, you know, I'm still all in on this culture, uh, even though I discovered it over 30 years ago. And I think about Ed Big Daddy Roth. Are there still models of his cars available? I remember growing up and always seeing the, the models in magazines or comic books, really, things like that. Are oh, those yeah, still around? Yeah, the model company. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that was a way for... You know, guys like me who didn't, who couldn't have a car because I was too young, uh, that was a way that I could get in on, on that sort of cultural swing too. But I think what you said is really, really important. The lesson that I took from my uh, research today and, and then hearing you talk about how Jim Phillips did his journey was, you know, don't lose that. Don't lose that energy. Don't lose that spirit because that means we're growing old if we do that. So yes. we got to keep doing all that fun stuff. We got to keep like, think about how both of these guys in their own collective way, they thumb their nose at the mainstream uh, at that time. And I think even if you're a designer like we are, that's always something to keep top of mind, to keep pushing yourself, to keep looking for new challenges. And if you're not a designer, if you're a, a normal person, you know, <laughs> look for ways to be your authentic self, as you said, Elliot. And I would also say support other people being their authentic selves, whether that is a neighbor, whether that's a child, whether that's a friend. The world is amazing because there's so many different people in it. Um, and uh, I think we just need to celebrate that. And I'm hopeful that uh, when we're working through these podcast episodes and these different topics, that we are able to do that for you, the listener. So, Elliot, that sounds like a great place to leave it. Thanks, Todd.
Hi, while we have your attention, if you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers. Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us. Wait, we do want people to visit, right? <laughs> well... Oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling... Tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. <laughs> That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show, or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.